I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. First of all, Merry Christmas to all of you, young and old, and all of you in between. Merry Christmas. I have to tell you, those words sound a bit strange to me tonight, even though they are heartfelt. Here we are once again, back to only live streaming due to health concerns. And the fact is, it's been a tough year. We have lost loved ones, felt disappointment. We continue to navigate the anxious uncertainty of living through a pandemic. So on this Christmas Eve, I pray that you know God's presence, Christ with us, this night and always. It's wonderful, however, to have you joining us on our live stream this evening. It is a gift to gather, even if online, on this holy night. So Merry Christmas. There is a famous 20th century preacher named William Sloan Coffin. And in one of his Christmas sermons, he tells the story of a man who surprised a Canadian customs official when he arrived at the border north of Detroit on his bicycle. And behind him, on the rack of his bicycle, he had a box full of sand. What have you got in there, said the customs official. Nothing, the cyclist replied. Well, let's just go ahead and check it out, said the official. So the official slowly ran his fingers through the sand. He carefully examined the box. And finding nothing, he sent the cyclist on his way. A few days later, the cyclist was back at the border again with the same box of sand on the rear rack of his bicycle. Well, what have you got this time, said the official. And again, the cyclist replied, nothing. And this time the official flipped over the box. He dumped out the sand. He took the box apart. And again, he found nothing. And for weeks, this scene was reenacted. And each time the customs official was sure he was going to find something, but he never did. Several years later, the customs official, now retired, was having a beer in a Detroit bar. And he, as he looked up from his beer, he saw a familiar face. It was that cyclist who had been, been, who had been bringing boxes of sand across the border. And the official couldn't resist, so he invited the cyclist to join him. He bought him a drink and he said, look, it doesn't mean anything to me now because I'm retired. But I'm just curious, what were you smuggling all that time? And the cyclist looked at him with a faint smile and he said, bicycles. <laughs> the Christmas story tells the tale of how God's son enters the world in an unexpected way, right under everyone's noses, so to speak, kind of like the bicycles the guy was smuggling across the border. No pomp or circumstance for Jesus' birth, no royal birth announcement, no trumpets blaring for all the world to know. 
Rather, God enters the world in the form of a vulnerable baby born to poor parents in a backwater town of the Roman Empire. No one in a position of authority or power would have hardly noticed. And yet, it's this unexpected birth that invites us into a new age, a new world where God's goodness and peace and justice are made known. In our gospel story on this Christmas Eve, the author of Luke makes sure to let us know that with the birth of Jesus, there is a significant shift. Something big is happening. And the story kicks off with the words, in those days. And then we immediately hear about two Roman political figures. Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor, who we are told issued a registration, the reason why Mary and Joseph have to travel to Bethlehem, and Quirinius, the military governor of Syria. The phrase, those days, signals an old age, a time shaped by the Roman imperial system that dominated the Mediterranean world through violence and exploitation. So this is how the story kicks off, in the old time, in those days. But in the verses after Jesus' birth, we hear the angel proclaim, to you is born this day in the city of David a savior. This day is a pronouncement that something new has happened, something that moves us away from those days, the old ways of being, and ushers in a new time, a new age, a time that's defined by the inbreaking of God's kingdom. A new Messiah is in town who has come to liberate God's people from the forces of oppression and occupation. And what I find so beautiful about all of this is that this new age is ushered in by a baby who slips underneath the radar and is born to poor parents in a stable. On this night, heaven and earth meet in obscure places. God comes among us as a helpless baby born to a woman on the edge of society. And further, this good news of God's presence with us is first announced to the lowly shepherds, the outcasts of first century society, in the darkness of night. Christmas gives us, as one writer puts, us, puts it, a peek inside the engine room of how God works. It gives us a glimpse of the very nature of God. It shows us a God who empties himself of all those things we might expect God to have, glory and power and might, in order to enter the world as a helpless baby so that we might be drawn into relationship with him. It is the complete outpouring of love. God goes to unimaginable lengths so that we might know that love and be drawn into that love. And we celebrate Christmas every year so that we might remember that in these obscure places of our lives and in our world, in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our anxieties and fears, in the midst of the ordinariness of our day to day, the creator of the universe comes to us because God longs and has always longed for us to know God. Barbara Brown Taylor, an Episcopal priest and author, preached a sermon once where she talked about the artists who produce images of the first Christmas for Christmas cards. 
She talked about how the images we see on these cards and in storefronts this time of year paint a very picturesque scene. The softness of the baby's skin and the stars shining brightly in the sky, angels singing in the rafters, animals gazing at the baby Jesus. But she goes on to say that 20 minutes after this picture-perfect scene, she imagines that the hole in the heavens probably closed up and the star faded away, and the music from the angels died down, and all that was left to be heard was the music from the bar in the inn. And as Taylor muses, she imagines that one of the cows probably stepped on one of the chickens, and it shrieked, and then the baby Jesus began to cry. And Mary, a teenager far away from her home in Nazareth, began to weep herself, and Joseph tried to comfort her. And yet, through it all, God was still there. Not only in the picture-perfect moments, but also and especially in the difficult moments. Jesus doesn't just tell us, but shows us the length that God is willing to go to be with us. However much or how little our lives reflect that perfect Christmas card, however less than ideal our situation might be, however much anxiety or uncertainty we might be feeling, feeling, Christmas reminds us that God is right there with us, inviting us to the complete outpouring of love that is the very nature of God, setting us free to participate in a new world where God's mercy and healing and compassion are made known. In the picture-perfect moments, and even in the shadows of our world, and in the deepest darkness of night, God is with us. And that, my friends, is worth celebrating this night and always. Merry Christmas. Amen.